Welcome to the Dribble Podcast, your weekly fix of all things Perth Wildcats and Aussie basketball. Presented by Perth Now. Hello and welcome to the Dribble Podcast in a week where it's become win or go home time for the two-time defending champion Perth Wildcats. My name's Chris Robinson from Perth Now in the West and joining me every single week, three-time NBL champ and Wildcats vice-captain, Greg Hire. Greg, thanks again for coming in. My absolute pleasure. It's, uh, yeah, as you said, win or go home. It's a precarious position we're in, but something that um, looking forward to, to be honest, for sure. Give us the the temperature of the room. What's the mood like among the group after the uh, the thirty five point loss to mm. Adelaide? Opening game of the best of three series. You you can't sugarcoat it, but it is only one loss. What is what is the feeling? We're in the middle of the week. The loss is still fresh in the mind, but we obviously look ahead very quickly to Friday. What's the the temperature like amongst the group? Yeah, I mean straight after the game, or um, even in your review process, any negative descriptive word and how you felt about the game uh, embarrassed humiliated uh, ashamed whatever it may be every single guy would have felt like that in that in the room and mm-hmm. uh, we can be honest and say we're obviously uh, extremely disappointed in the performance that we put in um, even in the cir- I mean, look at the circumstances game one of a semi-final series after a couple of weeks off and um, anytime you're in a playoff position to, to try and still home court advantage you want to be raring to go and um, obviously put up a, a pretty yeah, pitiful performance, if you, if if I can say. But um, then, on to put things in perspective, that's why it's a playoff series. It's you know, it's we for, for us, we're very lucky. We get a second chance and and hopefully a third chance. But to um to redeem ourselves and, and put it on home court, and that's why it is home court advantage. And obviously, we we'll have to steal one. But um, come Friday night, um, you know, for us, we you know we're gonna have to um. I don't think we really need to change our game plan. It's more refining it. It wasn't like Adelaide did anything that we weren't expecting. Mm. And why I say that, you know, you had um, dominant performances. I think Childress, um, straight from the get-go, influenced the game. Um, But, you know, just getting on the O-boards, Mitch Creek got a couple of cheapies. And those guys were just really efficient in the way they scored. And Obviously, the you know you can say the fourth quarter. I think it sort of uh, Sobe broke the game open, and that was and that was from us from a scouting standpoint. We wanted to to challenge them to shoot threes, and um, yeah, they hit six threes in, in in the fourth quarter. But that was our game plan. You know, they're not known to be a a potent outfit from from outside and in the perimeter. And yeah, we may have to change that, but I think more so we've got to really um, focus on you know those easy transition points and we knew that once they get roaring at home they're extremely tough I mean the floodgates open and you had Shannon Shorter was held you know quite well until he just started you know, doing step backs as well and got his, his mojo going so yeah I think you've, you've really got to eliminate the the influence of a guy like Mitch Creek and, and Childress because I think they really put a standpoint on the game um, and we knew that and so from a I guess from a scouting perspective that's what we're, we're extremely disappointed about um and we looked at video and it was very simple stuff. Josh Childress, it wasn't, you know, he was doing these crossover, crossover, you know, spin moves or whatever. It was just getting in the lanes, picking the spots, being physical, um, hard drives. Um, and so, we, yeah, I've challenged JP to respond in that manner because I think JP has the potential or the ability and has shown all year that he could be the most potent player, even better than Bryce, um, when his mindset is to be aggressive. I think if... um He's a very unselfish player, and and um, but I think I'd rather him be aggressive, maybe even force the issue, um, 
they're not, then they just be a facilitator because, um, you know, when he's going, I mean, I battle, I go against him every single day. When he has that sort of fire in his eye, he's he's an absolute monster. And I think that's where he's got to go is just go, you, I want to take over the game. And he has the rare ability that he can take over the game both offensively and defensively. You, you mentioned JP. He has copped a bit of criticism this week, um, down on his usual output in mm. game one. When you say you've challenged him, have you sort of taken him aside and, and had a personal conversation with him? What's his demeanour been like this week? I noticed that he did the, the media availability yep. during the week, which looks good from the outside, going on the front foot, addressing things. Yeah. What's it been like and what's that conversation like between you guys? Yeah, it's more of an even in a... Um team setting yep. um you know it's holding guys accountable we we challenge each individual and challenge ourselves i mean it's not just jp yep. um it's easy just to point a finger and say hey do a good job it's not the reason why we lost um i think we and this is uh, the whole season has been like this is we I, I think sometimes we place too much emphasis and responsibility on a guy like bryce a guy like jp and a guy like angus but in saying that um when you look at you know, when you review the game and you look at some key things, um, you know, it, it's really a mindset. And so for, for us, for JP, because um, of his athleticism and his speed and his um, physical attributes, um, he should be chasing getting three or four offensive boards. And to get rebounds um, isn't, you know, a skill, it's effort. And, and that's where you've got to go, okay, well, hey, give, give us three or four, you know, and, and that may be the case that he gets subbed out two or three minutes earlier because he's tired and he obviously wants to play, but it's like challenge yourself and to the point of being exhausted and trust your teammates, the guys on the bench that will come on and, and, um, and help out for a two or three minute spurt, you know. So um, he's responded in, in, a, in a perfect manner. He's a consummate pro- a professional and um, you want that. And I mean, it's tough because how do you go... If a guy is naturally not selfish um, and you want him to be, and I'm not putting that in a bad way, but yeah, you want him. I mean, I would love him to get the ball off the, off the rim, um, take two, three dribbles and just attack the rim and go and, and get a foul. If not, I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. And now... You know, if he misses a couple, then everyone's you know might be questioning his his shooting, um, you know, his, his decision making. But I don't mind that. I'd rather him be aggressive than not tentative, but just settle and, and trying to get through the motions. So, you know, I think that's where we got to go. I think you, for us, um, we've got. I would say um, three great players that you can run the offense with, and that's been the case. You know, look at systems across the league or philosophies yes. across the league. You know, Adelaide used their depth as they say. I mean, they had their starters scored 94 of 110 points, so you know they've got that depth, and they and they're happy enough to go through that. Um, obviously, we need to stop that. I mean, to have your starters scoring 94 points isn't. I don't think our guys would be proud of their efforts. Mm. Um, but for us, I mean, we run, it's common knowledge, we run our offense through Bryce, we run our offense through Gus, and we run our offense through JP, and the other guys will, will get theirs and get their, um, and play their role to the best of our ability. So when those guys get the ball, um, we've got to say, hey, be aggressive. You know, like if Gus gets the ball on, on the low block, hey, I don't mind him getting a, um, an offensive foul but putting his shoulder through someone's chest because I'd rather him be aggressive than tentative. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, because they are, have shown they're quality players um, 
and you know they need to reward themselves as well yeah that's uh, certainly what Adelaide has shown us you've got to be in complete all out attack mode aggression sure. otherwise uh, you won't be able to keep up with them can you give us a bit of an insight into the minutes and the hours directly after the loss Greg for yeah. the fans who don't see when you guys walk off the floor obviously um, last weekend the magnitude of that loss and the significance being in the playoffs what what is it like in the minutes and hours that follow in the rooms is there silence is there anyone sort of addressing the group is there time for reflection do you try and is there a guy who tries to be positive about it or is that not time for positivity yet what was it sort of like immediately following that loss yeah I mean it, it, it changes from game to game to be honest I mean there's been times when you know we've, we've lost to Sydney in Sydney and you, you get a serving you know you definitely get a rocket from the head coach Damo mm-hmm. will pipe up myself will pipe up and you know um I think there's a time for that. Um, what was it like after Saturday? Yeah, quite. Okay. Um, but just because uh, it hurt, I think, because we like, looked at that game and we had a really good lead in and everything, you know, scouting, we we, we took care of that during the week. And then um, I think when you looked at it, it wasn't like, I think each individual was like, was my, I mean, I don't ever say you're crushing your effort. Your effort's always there. That's why you're an elite athlete. But mm-hmm. just the the way you went about things or the right effort, I guess. Um, and so directly after the game, uh, Lucas sort of spoke up just in, in a quick huddle and it was more so quick words. Um, but yeah, at that time it was just, it was, it was complete silence for about five or so minutes. Um, and I thought that was more powerful than actually saying something because I think you, you've got to hurt. Like it's easy to say words straight afterwards. Um, but yeah. I thought it was good to sort of simmer a little bit and to get that hurt um, and, you know, let that go. And obviously some words were spoken by a couple of guys and Trev came in afterwards, but I think that was more appropriate than one of us going in there beating our chest and going at people or, you know, pumping us up. Um, and in saying that, you know, in terms of our review meetings, there's not, you know, you, you can sit there after two or three days and you obviously still got that pain and you've got to review the, the right things and hold each other accountable. Um, but then you've got to go, all right, we're back on the on the track really, you know, because now we, we play on Friday night and there's no point beating a dead horse. We've got an opportunity to win. or And, and that's, I think it's been really good is to say, we're not going home. I mean, there is no second chances. There's no ifs. We can't continue building. We've we've really got to, you know, um, go. And when I think of it, I think, you know, um, the whole off-season, the pre-season, and the amount of work that he put in, and it's literally 40 minutes, and that could be all forgotten about and not and nothing that you've done in the season matters anymore. So I think that's a, a thing you've got to keep in the back of your mind. But it is, from game to game, it's a bit different, um, and I think we have a pretty good feel of, of what's appropriate. To give up 109 um, and 90 after three-quarter time, as you alluded to, is, is that what stings the most, given the defensive identity of, of this group? Yeah, oh, it was tough because even at the start of the game and I was watching even on the bench, I remember the game was 6-0 um, and I think maybe Mitch Creek or DJ got a dunk. But I sort of, like, it was maybe the 7.30 mark, but I sort of was, like, uh, con- not content, but I was, like, we've had five good looks. Um, yeah. And it, sometimes, and that's happened, like, for us, sometimes you feel like you're dominating the game and then you look at the scoreboard and it's like 8-4 and you're like, geez. Or you're winning 
12-0 and you felt like you haven't been really in control of the game, next thing you know, the opposition came out. And that's what happened for us in the first quarter. We, I think the second group came in and then we took the lead. Um, and heading into this half, I think we were up 45-44, then maybe turned it over and they end up getting, I think, a six-point buff because of Romain Moore's three at the end. And that sort of stuff, that momentum sort of carried over. Um you know, to hold them to 50 points, it's not ideal. Like, we, we don't want to get in that run-and-gun style with us. Um, but I think what really hurt was, yeah, in the third quarter we saw is we allowed them just to get these easy transition buckets um, and then stymie that, we just kept fouling them. And so then you can't play your aggressive style on defense um, because you can't be up in the lanes, you can't play physical and all that, and you're giving them the, the you, know, you, you know, we've got to slow the game down. And I think that's what hurt us as well is... You know, we took shots not within our offense. So why I say that, maybe their quality looks at the time, but if they're not within the structure of the, the in place, someone takes a shot that's not within the system and then they get a rebound, they're unlike any team. Yep. All five guys are running. And so if you got vulnerable. And yeah. yeah, exactly. And we've got, you know, philosophies around offensive rebound, set guys up. If a guy takes a shot that's not within the offense, guys aren't ready, and then the next no next thing you know, they're going five on three. Um, and so the best way to slow a team down um, is to make buckets because they've got to take the ball out of the hoop and they've got to, you know, slows that down. And for us, we've got to get better looks. Obviously, we shot poorly, um, but I think, yeah, we've got to get better looks. And, and by that, I mean run 20 seconds, 21, 22 second offenses so that we get quality looks on the back end of a, of a play. And do you continue to sort of dare them to shoot as you alluded to earlier or yeah, do, you, think, do you have a look at that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, they've obviously got some quality shooters, but even though they're quality shooters, they like we've seen sometimes have a good look, but they, yeah, I mean, for them, they, they, get, they attack the rim yep. and yep. Um, they do a good job. Um, you know, yeah, you can argue whether Cole should be made, but I think I was looking today when we were watching, I mean, there was a free throw account, I think it's seven minute mark left in the third quarter, I think it was like 28 to 12. Um, you know, that's, that's the game right there. There's a 15 point lead and they've got an extra 14 free throw shots, you know, and I think we can take a page out of their book and be aggressive. Um, they're relentless on, on what you, you know, um, on just attacking that and making the ref make a decision, you know. Um, they don't settle for those jumpers. They barrel in and they throw it up. And, yes, they're getting rewarded with that. But I think that's what we need to do as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. To more positive news, are you growing the playoff beards again this season? <laughs> I, I am. So, well, we all are, yep. uh, which is interesting. Uh, DC is actually, I've got to give him uh, okay. t- tip my hats off because generally the imports don't get into it. Okay. Um, they don't know about it. So, But he's gone in and he's got a bit of a scruffy beard. I think they always like to maintain a little bit and just okay. be all that. But yep. no, we are. Who, so, whose is the worst? Um, well, see, I, I love it because one... Um, my wife hates it. Okay. So then I can be a little so bit... So anything you can do to upset her correct. is just so fantastic. Yeah. makes me a little bit lazy. <laughs> um, so at that point, because we start discussing when are you allowed to shave it? Uh, you're allowed to obviously have a haircut. Um, but so I think there's always, there hasn't been a consensus day. It was always like either the very first playoff game or when everyone was back. Obviously, the guys were away from FIBA. Mm-hmm. Um but now we're all locked in, but usually most of the guys have a shave before you're locked in. But I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to start 
now it's just a good excuse to okay. look horrible um, <laughs> so yeah so we're going in but if I was to say run right right now you'd say like Jared because I, I haven't seen much hair or one of our development players Reese. like I don't like a heavy wind and it's gone so <laughs> um, but I'm all for the playoff bids I don't know if they'll you know every single time you win a championship and you hold and like you're looking outside the stadiums and you're like yeah, I feel like all the the top of the front office of the Walkers. Like, I wish these guys wouldn't do this. Um, but I'll get a special mention now: a physio, Dave Philpot. Yep, he's got a full beard, okay. and he forgot to shave, and it was already locked in. So he could be looking if we go to a game five and a grand yep. final. He is going to be looking like. Um, Tom Hanks and Castaway. Okay. He's a sneaky beard MVP <laughs> yeah, chance. For sure. Um, another thing you guys are doing is the hero messages, calling out for hero messages from fans and they will get sort of blasted yep. around the locker room um, on game day. What yep. what do they mean? Do they actually mean something to the players? Do you guys read them pre-game? What, what kind of impact does that have? Um... Yeah, definitely. I think some guys more than others. Um, to be honest, and I was, I'm a bit of a... I don't know. Like during the game, I'm a bit focused. So You're I don't. In. Yeah. So I don't. I. I generally. I'm not trying to say fans not to do that, but um, yeah. I just. Yeah, I don't really. Re- I don't see too much what's going on. I, I. I try and be as jovial as I can. Um, but yeah, it's more so. Um, I, I do really like it on the road. Um, because you know you do have a little bit more time to sit there and you sort of look around and and to get that. Um, but it's always one of those things as well that, um, you know, when you walk away from the game or even like. Um, post basketball after a championship it's always good to reflect and, and really uh, I guess cherish the, the support that you get from fans I mean it's unlike any other organisation so it is pretty cool when you just that whole effect you walk into the locker room and it's plastered all over the, the walls um, and I'd love to sort of individually see each of them and you do want to thank each person uh, individually but that, that whole general consent it feel is, is pretty nice and pretty cool um, but yeah I know some guys yeah truly appreciate it but I think from a whole landscape you sort of just look at it and you go you know what playing for the Wildcats you're bloody yeah. lucky and yeah. it's just nice to have that general support from the from the club yep. but I do say sometimes there's the odd like one that gets through that's not monitored and they sort of have a sneaky dig at someone as well <laughs> Like, hey, great Anything job. you can remember? No, like, yeah, Just great. having a go at someone's hey, ear or something? win this championship, play Greg higher less. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I've got to maybe talk to a media department <laughs> just to, to review all of them. Yeah, maybe actually read them before they go up. Um, something I had on the rundown before you tweeted about it this morning, yeah. so great minds thinking alike. Uh, Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan, two of the, well, two of the NBA's Super biggest stars. stars. Yeah. yeah, multiple-time All-Stars. Uh, coming out in the past week or so and um, and writing about what they're going through by way of depression, anxiety. Yep. Uh, Kevin Love was talking mm. about having panic attacks uh, before and, and during games. What does it sort of mean to... We know that mental health doesn't discriminate. We yep. always say that. Uh, the fact that these guys who are high profile, who are successful for them to come out mm. and sort of let people know that these things are affecting them, this is how they're feeling. Yep. What does that mean to other professional athletes and also just your your everyday people who look at it look at it and go these guys are battling with this you might have never thought that they were what does this kind of exposure mean for for mental health yeah i think um and they're two different cases uh, you know uh, i look at or two different stories so i look at demand horizons i thought that was really a highlight especially after all-star week i think he mentioned it just before um, and was talking about um him dealing with depression and mm-hmm. 
thought obviously re-emphasised the importance that um, whether you're um, just because you've got fame and you've you've got stature and money, it doesn't mean you're protected from a mental illness. And even more so, it's this is a guy that does something he loves every single day. And so it's you know there's all these um, you know you could argue oh. I don't have the job I want. Um, I'm, you know, I don't have money. Um, whatever it is, and I have a mental illness. But here's a guy that's, you know, at the ultimate of his career and doing something that he's always wanted to do, and he still still suffers from a mental illness. And so, really, re-emphasizes that importance. You know, um, I also look at it, and from a whole landscape and I look at it and go one I commend him for coming out but um, what's going to happen is the NBA are now going to place an importance on um, the players and the support staff and the organisations the individuals that are involved on their um, well-being and their mental health and they'll obviously implement and it's like for them they're fortunate that it's a billion dollar industry and now they're going to spend a lot of money on resources to help these individuals or and start educating people and um, you know hopefully have no more issues arise or sorry reduce the number of cases and I that's massive I mean mm. you can only hope a, you know an organization can support that and they've already discussed that as, as the NBA PA and as the NBA itself to, to start placing more of an emphasis around uh, mental illness and mental health and um, that's good you know like that's 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 amazing. I mean, we're trying to do the same in the NBL and across actually all sports, you know. So um, it's tough that it has to take a guy to, to be honest um, in that regard. And it's uncommon for someone to do it um, in the NBA, especially. But I think, you know, I'm sure there's guys that, you know, maybe lesser known players, and but they haven't admitted that, whether that's stigma or um, they don't think it's relevant. But for, to have superstars like Kevin Love and Amar Rosen to be so honest and upfront, um, it's amazing. The one with Kevin Love, it's interesting. I mean, I look at it and, and I go, um, one, again, I, I commend that. That's extremely courageous to do it, um, especially if no one knows the history behind it. Um, he was criticised by his teammates early in the season for um, his teammates deemed him, well, didn't see fit that he was actually ill. And, um, you know, that's that whole stigma and all that sort of stuff. People don't have that education behind mm-hmm. mental illness and it's obviously come out and... You know, he suffered a panic attack during a game but penned a really good article. But, you know, I discussed it with you earlier and I've discussed it with, um, you know, some of the guys at the team and the assistant coaches and it's, you know, you commend him for saying to being so honest about suffering a panic panic attack. But even as a teammate and a guy that's been so heavily involved in this field, it's something that I'm, I'm really struggling with in terms of, yeah, of course, I'm supporting his endeavours and to see what he does, but... I put myself in a sim- similar situation, and I can I could be I can be openly criticised here. But if I had a teammate that suffered a panic attack, I mean, we're this is our profession, you know, it's it's a cutthroat business. Um, you know, a couple of points can determine a winner or a loss, um, which could end up determining your job. You know, and so if Kevin Love has the ball in Game Seven of the NBA Finals and he suffers another panic attack. Um, it's only going to be natural that his own teammates, his own coaches will criticise him um, and his own fans will criticise him because he hasn't got that, hasn't managed that or there'll be question marks always around his career now. And yes, that's one thing, that negativity behind the stigma of him being honest and coming out with it. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, it's such a it's a it's a, an interesting and very delicate situation now that he's come out with us. But you also want to know: Will you be able to perform at the highest level? Will you be able to be able to take mm-hmm. a hold of that? Um, it's tough. It, it 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 definitely is tough. And um, you know, I would obviously support him as much as you could as a teammate. You would want him, and he, and I'm sure now he's bound to get a hopefully get a hold of that. Um, but no doubt about that, you you would be thinking in the back of your mind: Is is he is he able to um, take care of himself? You know, um, because yeah, you know, I, I look at it: if a guy suffers depression and or suffers anxiety or whatever mental illness it may be, um, and, and it affects his performance on the court, um, to me, sometimes then your own mental well-being and mental health is more important than the results that are going to happen. So. I understand that might be your job and you might have to take a step away, but then take a step away because uh, unfortunately um, now in the way that the world is, um, you know, he's put it on social media and he's been very open. What's that also going to do is also give him, um, it's going to give a platform for people mm. to, to criticise openly um, about his own performances now and, and no one cares if you're um, struggling from mental illness or not, they're going to criticise your performance irrespective of what you've done. Yeah, it really can be a, a double-edged sword for sure. sort of putting that vulnerability yeah. out there. So let's hope that uh, players do get more support for, sure. um, for those things and hopefully this is a small part of that process a couple of fan questions before we get out of here this one from Max where does Kirk Penny rank on the list of players that you've had to guard obviously yeah. Kirk Penny the New Zealand Breakers champion going out uh, with the loss to Melbourne finishing his career where does he rank in terms of guys that you've had to run around and try and stop sniping from the three point yeah line? he'd be up there I think it's maybe one of the best performance I've ever been uh, seen uh, I think when he him and Kevin Braswell after we beat New Zealand in New Zealand game one of a playoff series mm-hmm. and then um, Penny actually watched it um, before he retired I think he had 40 points or something it was one of the more game two rem- yeah, challenge stadium yeah. one of the more remarkable performance I've ever been or part of I was a development player that time but yeah he was tough because um, as he got older he got smarter you know he wasn't as quick so um, he could you know he just had these tricks of just being you know um, deceiving and he was always you know if he was off the ball he would curl cut back into a flare pick or whatever it was he was consistently moving um and then he also, if, if you obviously wanted to force him to drive, and you knew he wasn't, he was going to drive. He would still try and find find a way to, you know, get a foul, just move the ball up or whatever. He just had this um, really good knack of just, you know, getting it done. Um, and that's why he played in the NBA and was the top player in Europe. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think you had to admire his just his footwork um, off the, you know, just his preparation of getting the ball, um, you know. Any shot, if it was a bad pass, his footwork um, was perfect. Like it was always underneath him, and, and it was a tough shot. Whereas if some guys need the pass right in their pocket to, you know, mm-hmm. their shot pocket to get the shot off. But yeah, it was amazing. And there would be times I literally, like, I'd go before a game in New Zealand, I'd get some shots up, and I'll just watch him for about five, ten minutes, try and pick up on some things he does because, yeah, yeah he was just un- unbelievable, great shooter. Yeah, seems to always get balanced really quickly. Correct. Has that sort of wide stance when yeah. he's shooting, and then obviously the quick release just made him yeah. from the outside look like he's impossible to guard um, and the last one from Brenton what music do the players listen to in the pre-game shoot around to get them pumped mm. are you a headphone guy I know <laughs> a couple of other guys um, JP's a headphone guy no we um, we've we've got some um, 
we we've got speaker in the in the change room. Okay, so um, who controls that? Myself and Jared Kenny. And how did you come to be bestowed that honor? Yeah, so I think everyone else is just lazy. They don't really care. <laughs> um, so okay. I've because I, I take care of the the workout, the gym stuff uh, yep. playlist as well. So it's just basically I'll, I'll send a message to everyone asking who everyone's favorite artist is. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we've sort of got the. Uh, some traditional songs that will go in. We always try and play for the game the same songs in um, yeah in order. Okay. Um, yeah, sort of. We we play a little bit of Kings of Leon um, just to get up there. Like yeah, good. yeah Which so track? We'll get that. Uh, like you saw somebody. Okay. Yep. There's a uh, Sex good and Fire. fire. Song. <laughs> yep. 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 Good. Um, but then uh, Mumford and Suds because of Damo, he absolutely loves that. So we sort of. Get some old stuff. Um, Jared Kenny loves 660, which is an Australian band. Uh, not an Australian band, sorry, New Zealand band. Get around them if you haven't. Okay. Um, and then we just start, for for our imports, we start bringing in some other stuff. So, um, yeah, Post Malone, Drake, YG. Drake U or the other Drake? <laughs> yeah, no. Nah, Drake. It's just Drake, Drake U, just laying down some tracks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I'm trying to actually play the playlist off Spotify. But if, if someone sees me on Spotify... Uh, they can follow it. They'll find our pre-game playlist, and so they can get most of those trucks off there. So really? There you go. Okay. Yeah. What's it called? Oh, if you just type in Greg High, I'll be right there. Okay. So, well, there's something for all the fans there's, out there. There's, you a, can... there's a funny thing, and I'm not sure if I'm hurting myself here, but there's also a playlist while my wife was giving birth in there. So okay. um, I'm going to have to change the... <laughs> the playlist name um, because yep. it was quite funny but okay. um, as long as you don't get those two playlists confused <laughs> and before game two but of the semi-final series you're playing sort of soothing ocean yeah, sounds but that's the thing though it was there's a lot of crossovers of okay. those tracks because when that moment that your wife's about to start labour like that's you want to be pumped up so so you're playing a bit of Drake correct exactly <laughs> like I had actually funny like the midwife told me to turn the music down she's like can we get a little, something a little bit more soothing yeah and I was like hey we're about to deliver a child let's get pipe for this <laughs> I've won a championship. I know what it feels like. I want you ready, in the zone, focused. I hope you guys didn't do like intros before <laughs> yeah. the birth. That would have been Welcome weird. to the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, measuring 4.8 kgs. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, crystal ball time mm. for this week. Uh, we both struck out last week, so we won't mention that. Yeah. My one for this week. You guys, I think, will keep Adelaide to 90 or fewer points. And the significance of this is since the NBL's opening night, yep. Adelaide is 15-0 and 0 when they score more than 90 in a game. So you've got to keep them to less than 90. I think you will. I still think it's going to be a, a coin flip, obviously. Obviously, it depends on the way that you guys shoot the ball yourselves. Mm. But if you can keep him to less than 90, you give yourself every chance. And I think you'll do that on Friday night. What's your crystal, crystal ball? Crystal ball. I'm going to go on my man, Clint Steindl. Um Oh, Getting some good looks, Clint. Had some great looks. They just rimmed out, poor yep. fella. Um, but he has trained the the house down this week and um, playing. You know, has some confidence, and that's what you want a shooter to have. So I think he'll hit at least three threes, which I think will be good for us. Um, obviously, more I would be happy, but I think he'll hit three threes for sure on Friday night, which will lead to a win. Yep, that would go a long way to ensuring a game three on Sunday. Greg, we'll let you get out of here. Appreciate Thanks it, so much, and best of luck on Friday night, and hopefully on Sunday. Thank you. And to uh, our listeners. Stay tuned to Perth Now in the West. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. The Dribble Podcast is brought to you by Perth Now, your home of sporting action from home and abroad.